Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Friendly Fire. This episode, communication. That's How's it going, Ben? Good, good. How are you? I'm good, man. We we had a pretty rough week. We did. Um, whew, we did, but at, it was a rough <laughs> week. Yes, it was. It was a lot of uh, things, lots of emotions, lots of uh, hard, not hard, just real conversations. And I think it was draining, but I think it, it's left me feeling more positive. But yeah, this has been this has been a long, tiring week. It has been. We we've we've had to give feedback to each other. We've had different things we had to address together. And as a result, I think we've learned a lot about each other without, you know, cutting a bitch. And I think that's, <laughs> that's really important. Sure, sure. Yes. We didn't do that. No, I think it's good. It's, it's, um, <clears throat> so I was thinking about this outside and uh, of our recording and, you know, we always get together a few minutes beforehand and say, what's the topic. And sometimes we know exactly what the topic's going to be. Um, what I love about this podcast is it kind of writes itself. Um, it's just kind of the next, okay, this, and then this. Um, but I think the, the kind of core to this and the change that is a really good one was a few weeks ago or so we kind of, we, you know, got engine back on the rails. It's healthy again. We're growing, we're making different decisions now. Um, we're making growth decisions and client hiring decisions and, and, uh, you're like, man, I, I'm as excited about this as I've ever been. I want to be back involved. And we've been figuring that out. Right. And yeah. And it was, and I think that was kind of the catalyst for all this was, and we've never, so the dynamic changed yeah. because now, now I'm involved and you don't want to have a boss. I don't want to be the boss. I've never wanted to have a boss, you know? So it, it's, it's that nature of how do we work together and learn to talk to each other about things that we care about. Right. Yeah. And before there were less things to talk about. Um, but it's this, it's this catch 22 of like having you involved. And we did in that Airbnb, that first week I went out there for a few days, um, we split up the roles, but we've not talked tactically about like, okay, this is how we're going to do that. And I think you've been <clears throat> great with it. I think it's been good. We've said, okay, okay, you're going to handle these things. I'm going to handle these things. It was me having the hard realization of like, I don't, I can't do this on my own as much as I want to say I can. Right. Um, that was honestly a hard shift for me to go, you know what? No, I, I want, I need him to be involved in everywhere he's passionate. He's going to let me be involved and lead all the things I'm passionate in. But it introduced a whole lot of other things that we had to talk about. And we had one conflict that's just a one that's normal that we don't need to go into. It was not you and I fighting. It was a scenario. And so that forced us to have to talk about the scenario. And then we had some other things of just like how, how and when do we communicate well? And like, what are the guardrails for that? And should there be guardrails and, and all that? And so I think that's where, what I leave out, that's what we said. That's why we're calling this communication. We don't want to talk about it like one thing. We want to talk about what we've learned about how we communicate better in this new dynamic shift. And where we can be honest with each other because, I mean, I lost some sleep this week. You know, I was waking up in the middle of the night worrying that I wasn't being honest with myself, that I wasn't being honest with you, that I wasn't communicating well. Uh, You know, the the thing is I'm coming in and what I'm passionate about and what I want to help – well, I don't even know how to say it. I guess what I I want to help guide is uh, its culture and the personality of Engine, right? Yeah, and I I think – I think right there it's fair to say own 
And that's right. Well, I was going to say the word that was coming out was control. And it's like controls, not the word you can't control culture. You can't control the personality, but, but yeah, own, I, I'm responsible for it. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll work on it, but like you'll, we'll do the feedback thing and we'll do the discussion thing. But ultimately I love the idea of what does Carl own and what does Ben own? And that, that makes it where we need to make sure it's good. Right. But there's going to be huge overlap because decisions that are made from a business perspective are definitely going to impact culture and the personality of the company. Decisions that are made from a culture and personality perspective are also going to impact the way that the company works because these things have to work in harmony or else we're just lying to each other, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that'll come out and that'll become the brand, right? <laughs> so it's like that's not a good brand unless you're you know, obviously backed by a lot, a lot of money, yep. um, at which point you can be – just total jerks and everybody will be fine. But, fine, but yeah, so I think that that's it. I'm I'm looking at things through a culture uh, and and a brand. You know, and and I've said this before. I see brand as the way the external audiences see a company, and and culture is the way the internal audience sees the company. And so so I see it as this holistic thing. So when when things happen in the company. I'm looking at it with that perspective now. Whereas before, I was like, "Okay, buddy, go have fun." And um, you know, it was just one of those things where you were going to do it, but it's just it's not fair. And you know, we mentioned this before. We're really complementary when when you look at what you're passionate about, which is the quality bar, which is you know also growing a place where people can become amazing. And what I care about, which is the culture and the way that everything feels. So you you really care about the product and the results. I really care about the experience um, for the people on all sides, clients, prospects, the industry engine. Um, and so that, that works really well, but it means that we now are coming at things from a slightly different angle and we have to learn how to communicate. Yeah. And I think for me, that was one of the, it's one of the things that it's the way it's said and like the way, like what it means to me. And so it, it took me a little while to realize, cause we've said this a lot of like, these are the things that you're passionate about. These are the things that I'm passionate about. And I think it is passion but I'm also really passionate about culture. I, I want culture to be great. Like I, in other roles in other companies, like I was the one making sure employees were happy. And, but I think it's passion and then where we can be most successful spending our time. And, and I think <clears throat> not trying to like correct, but I think that's, that's been a big thing in my mind where it's like, okay, Carl's passionate about making sure the business runs well. Carl's passionate that money's in the account and we're healthy. I am too. And like, but I'm like, I think I'm more focused on that and I'm more, I'm right now because my focus is there on being more successful in it. And if I'm focused on that, I can't focus on everything. And that was where it was like, right. But I do think, you know, to give you props, I think on the culture thing, like you do have, I've got ideas, you've got ideas, but I think you're going to have better ideas than I could come up with on my own. Like, and I think that's the hard thing to kind of swallow the pride there of like, I thought starting a company, I was going to be the guy that's like, I'm going to make the culture great. People are going to want to work there. It's an infectious culture. We're going to make people the best versions of themselves. And I've had to let go and just say, yeah, no, I'm passionate about it. Carl and I will talk about it. But this is where Carl's like super successful. And like, people love this. People ask you for advice for this. How do you do this? How do you do this? And I think getting to that point where, I don't know if it's guard down, but realizing like, I can let this go and let you own it it was the dynamic change. Cause I thought, okay, these are all the things like onboarding and all of those that I'm like, man, this is what I want to do with it. Realizing, no, that gives me more time. And that was the key to owner camp was realizing I need to choose what I want to focus on. 
and choose the things that I'm going to spend my time to try to be successful at. And then you're going to also do that. And then together we're going to be such a better version than if like I was selfishly trying to hold on and run the whole thing. And that was it. That was a really hard, a realization to realize that was what was bugging me. Um, and then once I was able to define it, I was like, okay, no, that's perfect. Yeah. I'm passionate about culture too, but Carl is going to execute at it so much better. He's going to have so much more time for it. Better ideas. I think it's going to be good there. And so I, I like that we're complimentary in that way where the Venn diagram, the Venn diagram or whatever, where there <laughs> is overlap, but the focus has got to be clear, right? Well, yeah. And for me, those ideas are going to come from everybody. So the stuff that you shared with me on the onboarding that you had worked with, worked on before, I was like, wow, I never would have gotten here. Right. It's like, I'm really good at tactics and then backing into a strategy, <laughs> but you, <laughs> you've actually presented a strategy that, that have tactics that fall out of it. And so that's huge. I think the execution side of culture is, is where I'm, I yeah. just love it. Right. Yeah. And, and it's funny, but having the theater background and all that kind of stuff, it's, it, it is kind of being on a stage and, and trying to get people to, to feel good. I mean, it's a cathartic thing to be able to go out there and say, you know, Hey, this is who we are. This is who we said we want to be. Here's how we're going to get there. But it's not me that owns, this is an interesting word, right? It, I, I think I'm responsible for it, which means I own it if, if it's not working. That, in that sense, I think that's great. But in terms of the success of it, it's everybody. I mean, there's no way you can have a great culture that is because one person thought you should. It, it has to be from everywhere and from everyone. And, and it's interesting because one of the things you hit on, and I, th I think this is, is huge, and, and I need to go in depth on it. I haven't really gone in depth with you on it. Um, but you said, you know, I was giving advice and that I've given advice to a lot of companies, and I have. I, I probably get at least one, maybe two every couple of weeks that reach out that are younger companies that either saw me spoke or read something or, or just not that smart. So they asked for my help. And, uh, you know, it, it feels amazing to be able to just listen to what they're doing. And there's always some of the same stuff. It's like, okay, well, you need to increase your rate. Okay, well, you need to extend your timeline. Okay, well, you, you know, some stuff that they're just nervous because they started and, and they're worried. They don't see the value in themselves. Um, but, but then to be in the company that, that I belong to and feel like I have to be careful how I give the advice because this is something that I'm part of and giving advice to something that you actually were part of the creation of you're part of the reason why it fell apart. You're part of the reason why it's come back together. It's totally different. I am emotionally connected when I'm giving that advice. And you know, we talked about this a little bit. I come from an academic family. I'm the only non-doctor in a family of PhDs, although I often say they're not really doctors, right? Just as a coping mechanism, but, and they're all Ivy league too, right? So this is one of those things where you talk, you talk about imposter syndrome. You talk about, you know, oh, I read a book, but I don't have these letters. People don't call me doctor. Um, it's kind of tough. And so I do get really analytical and I do try to give advice. And I, I, what I've realized when I'm, when I'm talking with you about it is sometimes I'm really cold. And I don't mean to be, but I feel like I have to stand back from the situation and look at it and say, okay, what's the best thing for engine here? I have to take myself out of the equation. I have to take Ben out of the equation. And I have to say, okay, in terms of moving forward, what's going to give the company, the entity, the best chance for success? You know, we never talked about that. So I can only imagine how it would feel when you're in, you know, a pretty heated situation. If, if you're looking at 
how you're going to introduce somebody new, if you're looking at a situation with a company, if you're looking at, you know, whatever, it, it's, it's involved. And then if, if I come in to talk about it and it feels like I'm, you know, giving a lesson instead of having a conversation, <laughs> I can only imagine that feels like shit. Well, and it, it's, it's a dynamic that, you know, it has to do with how you've been communicated to all your life. And I think we talked about it in the, the last podcast, the, uh, the kind of overlap, the kind of other stuff where we talked about, you talked, I think it was the first time you talked about imposter syndrome. And I talked about some of the brokenness with my family and like growing up, I just, I was never, I was never given the ability to just succeed or to have anything. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, Oh yeah, nope, that's yours. You can have that. Congrats. That was great. Good job. Like I, my granddad was like a super successful trombone player, played with the Patsy Cline orchestra. When I was in fifth grade, I was handed a trombone, told I was going to play. And you know, that bastard never came to one of my shows. Like, <laughs> and, and I would go meet with him and I'd go see him and, you know, I'd worked at his, um, music shop and I would tell him things that I thought were successful. Like, Hey, I, I got invited to this or, Hey, I got all state or, Hey, I did whatever. And his response was never congratulations or good job. It was him telling me a story that one up what I had just done. Well, when I was on the road, like when I did this, I won that five times. Like, and so advice sometimes out of context, especially in Slack or things like that. Like I'm, you know, I, in, inside, I, I hate this is what we talked about before is it's like you risk of coming off looking cold. I risk coming off looking like a bubbling emotional idiot, but <laughs> I, I do need validation because I've had so many just horrible experiences, like where people have not validated me and removed my value and I've let them, or there's a whole series of young life events that are probably too personal for the podcast, but like, maybe not, I don't know. We're pretty transparent, but you know, it's, it's a lot of crazy stuff that made me feel worthless, like a little piece of trash. And so I've had to like validate inside. And then when I get into a corner where people are saying things that are untrue or I've made a mistake or perceptions are skewed or any of those things, I have a really hard time with it. And so the partner I'm looking for in that moment is someone to validate me and go, Hey, you're good. Like, it's fine. We're here. We're going to be okay. And you did that. Like you, you totally did that. And I asked you to be on my team and you're like, dude, I don't want to pick teams. I want to, I want to make sure that like, cause I'm not in the middle of this, you know? And then I realized it wasn't about being team. It's just, I want to have my, I just want to have my play backed or I want to, I want to have someone go, Hey, it's cool. I just want, that's kind of my first response. And so when advice comes, that's my, that's mine to own is I don't hear the advice. I hear the absence of some level of like, it's cool. You're good or you're right or whatever. I want that validation and that validation's missing. And it is hard because it, it's an unrealistic expectation. One we hadn't talked about. Right. Right. So you would, you'd be like, well, okay, make sure that this is this or, Hey, make sure that this happens. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But like, I'm trying, it felt like I'm like, no, no, I'm trying to talk to you about this. Like I'm, it's not even validation. I want to have the conversation about it. Not just this blanket advice, which isn't yours to own. I had to say, you're not my dad. You're not my granddad. And they, right. they would do that to avoid the conversation and avoid, like we weren't, we weren't allowed to talk about if someone's feelings got hurt or someone got frustrated, you just got a bigger jar and put it in there and put the lid on it, you know? Yeah. So it was like, 
you would be like, Hey, you like this really pissed me off and it made me question our relationship. And they would just point to the hang in there kitty poster on the wall and walk <laughs> away. You know what I mean? And you're like, I just want to talk about it. That's all. Like I want to acknowledge that it's here and I just want to talk about it so that we can put it on a tiny raft and float it down the river and never talk about it again if we don't have to, you know? So it was my brokenness. It was making it hard, but then we talked about it. And I think that's where we said, okay, this is how this needs to work. And that's where we started laying some groundwork and had a good conversation. But I think that was what, from my perspective, what was hard is I just wanted to talk about it, not get like a, you know, take, take the less worn path, which wasn't your advice, but that's what, you know, my broken history made me feel like. Right. See, and so we look at my upbringing and there was never a concept of wrong or right because, I mean, I was raised in a a family that had two people with psycho- psychology degrees, <laughs> right? So so for me to tell somebody, you're, you're absolutely right in that situation, is really tough because I was taught, you know, through the way I was raised that you back up and you look at it and you say, well, what about this? Or, you know what, I disagree with what you're saying there. I think what really happened was this. And then that's not emotional. It's not endearing. It, it's not comforting. Um, but for example, like if, if I got in trouble, uh, when I was a kid, well, there, w- there was no physical punishment whatsoever. It was all psychological. And nice. the first thing that would happen would be, well, when you can explain to us what you did, why you did it. And if you think that it was, you know, a good thing to do, then we'll talk. And until then, just, just go ahead and, you know, <laughs> stay in your room, think about it. And this is like six or seven, Ugh. right. That you start doing that. And then, um, and then you have to pick your own punishment. You know, what's a suitable punishment for this? Um, and so it's one of those things where you just start to analyze. Like, why did I do that? Why yeah. would I do that? And, you know, we talked about this. It's, it's also one of those things where I don't want to say I wasn't raised in a loving environment. I mean, we, we said I love you a lot. I think it was probably in, in some class that they took. Oh, say that you love people. That's wonderful. <laughs> you know, thank you, Dr. Vulcan. Um, but... <laughs> But it was one of those things, and, and I say it a lot. You know, I, I, I say it to my friends. I say it to you. I, people that I love, I tell them I love them. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things uh, when you're raised that way that you constantly question why you're doing things. And you do have this like – it's almost like I can feel the AC turn on in my body and I just get a little cold and I'm able to just take a look at it. And it's, it's struggled – all my relationships in my life, I've struggled that way. And to cope um, and actually try to offset that, I often, you know, I will just try to be more likable. And and you talked about this before too. It's it's one of those situations where I will extend out who I am. Um, I will tell a story with a little more flavor, not necessarily lying, but in some cases, you know, definitely not something that would hold up in a court of law. <laughs> so. <laughs> But it's one of those things where you're just like, oh, God, I can feel it coming on. I'm becoming you know, a cold-blooded reptile, and it would be much better if I can just make everybody laugh right now. And, and that, that's something that when you're aware of it because you're analyzing everything, um, you can actually break it, break that pattern. And over the last five or six years, I think I've done pretty good in becoming you know, more of a normal – I mean, not that I'm abnormal, but more of a just a feeling emotional person. And, and having kids has been huge for that, right? Because I don't want to do what my parents did. And my parents are great. I mean, they provided for us. They they raised us. They did all those things. But I was a latchkey kid. 
you know, there was never anybody there. They left at seven in the morning. They get back around seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. And so you just end up spending a lot of time alone, getting in trouble and then figuring out why you did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like it was, it's, it's scary how similar we are in a lot of ways. And then the experiences we've had have made us have different perspectives on things. I remember this one, it was like the, the responses to things that you'd get in, like I'd get in trouble in the household for things that just didn't make sense. Like I'd always tell people like, so this happened and I'd either, I'd even tell friends, parents like, yeah, this happened. And I don't know. It just didn't feel like rational. And they're like, no, that's not. Um, and, and then like, you've got, you've got my dad, who's the emotional son of a really successful guy, you know, who my, my granddad ran a company here in Dallas that was, did a lot of great tech stuff. And, you know, my dad never really had to want for anything. And, and so he kind of had that, you know, spoiled, like little emperor syndrome. And then my mom came from a family that like never talked about feelings. So everything was passive aggressive and you'd have like still to this day, it's why our relationship is broken is she'll say something or do something. And you know that there's a full agenda behind it. Like every, <laughs> every like every communication, like everything she does, you're like, okay, well she said this, but this is really what I think she's doing, you know? And it's hard. Like one, one like afternoon, my senior year, I, I had started working when I was 16. I didn't money meant obligation to my family. And so I was like, I'm not taking any more money from them period. So I got a job and was working and I was doing double zero hour. I was still working 35 hours a week at um, CompUSA. I was a assistant manager at the store. And so I'd come home at like two 30, change clothes, get in my car, drive up to CompUSA and work until close at like 10. And I was running through and my dad's like, Hey, you gotta do the dishes. I was like, I, I can't, I'm going to be late for work. I've got to just get up there. And he's like, well, you got to do the dishes. Like, it's not even my chore. It's not even my turn. He's like, well, we've got this thing. You need to do the dishes. And I was like, I can't, I'm sorry. I'll do them when I get home. I, I just can't right now. I can't be late. And he's like, all right, well, you know, I told you to do them. I was like, I will do them when I get home. It's like, well, I want you to do them now. So I was like, I, sorry. I'm so sorry. So I left. And when I get home, the dishes were in my bed. Like he'd taken all these dirty, nasty dishes and put them up in my bed. And that was, that was his response to that, you know? And so it was just like these clusters of just like, I don't even know what to do. And then unpacking. And I realized I was talking to my wife about last night and I have to like, there are levers because of that. And man, I've gone to counseling and I've talked to counselors and that's one of their big things is you have to realize triggers. And then you have to realize that like, if they're being triggered by someone else that you just go, that's not a thing with them, you know? And so that was kind of, and we're getting super emotional and here. People are like, God, Ben is screwed. Why is Carl working with him? But it's the thing of when you, when you do give advice like that, or you give something I need to go, I need to not read into it. Cause that's not who you are. That's not at all who you are. And I've had to do that with my wife. We've learned that over the years and with other friends, when they say things, I'm like, did you mean that? Or, but it, I don't know. So I think we've, we've figured out, I like the thing where we said, Hey, let's just have time to talk every week where we know it's going to be, um, we know it's just going to be the time where we're going to give each other feedback. And so we need to just take any barriers down and we need to listen and know it may be painful or no for me. I don't ever want to be defensive, but I am defensive and I have to admit that, you know, um, to remove that defensiveness, like tendency so that we can be open and like can communicate without feeling like we have to shape it. Like that would be the worst thing if it's like, okay, 
if I'm going to tell Ben this, I need to do it on a Tuesday afternoon because that's typically yeah, what we just need to be able to say, okay, hey, I want to run something by you and not ever feel, which you did. I did that to you. I made you feel like you couldn't tell me something just directly the way you wanted to. So, so many things with what you just said. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's good. It's uh, and and hey, everybody listening, if you are looking for uh, employment, um, no. <laughs> don't <But> worry. <laughs> it's it's funny because we had almost opposite upbringings. I think. Um, so when I would get in trouble, it would be because I, you know, lit the kitchen on fire, or <laughs> because I managed to get a live raccoon in the house, or you know. <laughs> I had put all the stitching powder in my sister's bed. It turned out she was allergic to it. Oh, um, <laughs> you know, fun things like that. Yeah. And didn't really get in trouble. I remember the day I realized that this is actually solid gold. I get to pick my own punishments. And I get <laughs> 15. I had my own back door in my room, right? Like, what are they thinking? I don't have to sneak out. I just walk out. <laughs> so I go out. I hang out with friends all night. Get hammered right come back in my door to my room is open to the to the main house my parents are out there's like 3 a.m and i walk out there and my dad's like where have you been i said ah, i snuck off and went and got drunk with friends and he goes okay well why did you do that well because it was going to be fun and it really was well why wouldn't you tell us because you would have told me not to do that okay well we'll talk about this in the morning we never talked about it in the morning. It was like as, as soon as I realized I could just have answers, it was like everything totally changed. And my sister hated me because I got away with everything because I just realized what was going on. But it also was the beginning of me, even you know, in my late teens, starting to read up on psychology and starting to read books about human behavior and um, – even even crap, and I mention it all the time, but like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People in these books. You know, these are great books to read to understand who we are. It can also be really slippery slope down living a life of manipulation. And yeah. so when you say that about having an agenda, I mean, there were years of my life until my late 20s where, I mean, I always had like a couple of plays in mind, like where this will go. But then it blew up on me. And, and I've explained this to you, but there was this group that came into the company and they kind of did this survey and it was basically in a, a roughly 40 person shop how people felt about you and it was split down the middle to, you know half of those people thought that I was the golden child and that I should be running the company and why have they not given me more authority and, and all this and the other half thought I was a spineless little prick <laughs> and that I just sucked up to whoever I thought was going to get me what I wanted and all this stuff and man that punched me in the gut. And I just realized not only do I treat people differently, I'm not even aware of it half the time. And it's so obvious to the people who see it. Right. So, so I had a huge shift in my life where I tried to just be as honest as possible. And that was with myself. That was with other people. I still tell little lies. I still probably tell big lies. You know, a lot of times I don't even realize it. And so when we have those conversations, I think it's really important for us to also say, you know what, I'm going to say this and I'm not sure why. Or can I take that back? I just want to hurt it out loud. That's bullshit. I don't know why I would say that. And I'm sorry. Something else is playing on this. Because as human beings, we have all this level of experience that, that makes us programmed to respond before we think. Yeah. We have all these things that are wired inside of us so that you say one thing 
And the next thing you know, I'm suddenly angry. What was it that you said that took me back to fifth grade when <laughs> Debbie wouldn't go out with me? You know, it's it's like that level well, of bullshit. So it's it's that Key and Peel video that Paul tweeted at us. Like, oh God, it was so good. I, it was so in the middle of that had just happened. Oh, this this okay. Oh, like it was. So... We got it. We'll put. We get. We got to do show notes. Yeah. We got to start doing show notes and, and put that in there. We'll put them but in there. That was absolutely it. Oh, yeah. it was just like, and it, and what I love is it's, we have both done it. Like it's never one person. It's like, all right, tappy, 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 Slack message. And then you're like, what? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yeah. or, or I'm like, oh no, he, mm, mm. and I'm just like getting the, getting the baseball bat with nails in it. Right. Um, yeah. And it was so per like what was perfect was like not only was he so wrong, but when he shows up to the bar with the bat, he's like, "For my post-apocalyptic, how did you know?" Like it was like he was yeah. so in tune. My post-apocalyptic uh, Jackie Robinson <laughs> costume. How did you know? How did you know? Yeah, and it was like he was so. It was like he was so in tune. While, but he wasn't at all. It was so off base. It was real funny. Yeah. But yeah, I think I mean that was a really good point. And it it is like these are the things where I I mean I've been at the top around other leaders enough to know that like this is what I think is encouraging and just not to pat ourselves in the back, but these are the conversations that are happening in the partners and leaders at companies behind closed doors, right? Like everyone that I've talked to about the podcast has said like, Oh, the, the things that you're saying are what's happening that nobody knows about. And so to be clear, just cause it was a funny like side note, but like we don't, this doesn't flow out into, public Slack channels and flow out to our employees and flow out to our team and like all those people. But it is the dynamic of like you and I figuring out where we fit to run it so that what flows out is just positivity and great, like, you know, ads for, for the culture, things that were like, Hey, what about this? Hey, what about this? And it's this back, back door, closed door partner call dynamic that we're trying to just get rid of all the dynamics, right? We're trying to get rid of the back channels so that it's just I I, I it's hard because I don't want to be at a place where no one wants this I feel I'm you know low self-esteem always so finding things that I have to own that I'm bad at and try to fix always feels really hard and I think that's where my defensiveness comes from is I'm like I don't need another thing on the list of things that I know that I suck at and so it's like this week all I wanted to do is be like nope Carl's been wrong all week, but this was the week where like everything that was tough was mine, you know, like, and so it's been a hard week from that perspective. That's why my reaction at the beginning of the show is I was just like, yeah, it's been a tough week. Cause like I've had to bring that list back out and go, okay, remember this, remember you're not good at this. Just be who you are like, and those are really hard things, but the payoff for that for us is going to be the ability to move so much faster you know, for us to just get on a quick thing and go, Hey, I'm thinking this, what do you think? Yeah. But what if we, yeah. And then we're done. Right. If there's no, there's nothing, there's no filters in, in between us. I, th I think that's why we're doing it. I think that's what the, the best results going to be is the ability to really communicate well. And then when hard things need to be communicated, being able to handle those scenarios really well, because we have done it, you know, and we know kind of how to do it. I, I totally disagree, Ben. I think you're way off here. Sick. Uh, no, I, I agree. <laughs> you know, for me, the other side of it is the transparency side and, and transparency has been something that's been huge for me over the past few years. And, 
if everybody knows what's going on, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to hide. Things are going to go wrong. It's how you respond to them. It's how you react to them. Um, and, and from transparency, you know, and, and this episode's even part of that. It's, I will be completely transparent as long as I'm not going to hurt anybody, as long yeah. as whatever I need to share doesn't show something else um, that somebody wouldn't want shown, right? So, so there is a confidence in the transparency. There is the, the understanding that this isn't going to be every little single thing. It, it's not about a transcript of life. It's about sharing the things that matter. And for me, when, when we can get everybody aligned in our world to understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, um, then everything gets easier. So, yeah, you get to move faster. You get to, to focus on things you care about. Uh, the people who work at Engine right now are definitely listening to this. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt. This is, this is a channel for them to, to hear what's going on. So for us to learn how to communicate better is critical. And, and that's the beauty of, uh, of the fact that we just keep trying and that we're learning more and more how to be open about it. And it's, it's awesome because the feedback that I get from listeners is, you know, first of all, it's, it's just really emotional. But you know what? Where else are you going to get that? If, <laughs> if you can't be in business with somebody and realize the roller coaster it is, and if you're not having emotional discussions, if you're not trying to understand why, then you're creating a friction that doesn't need to exist. There's going to be friction anyway, but, but by starting with communication, which everybody will acknowledge is always the number one problem, and trying to open that up, um, I think that's when you are able to do amazing things you weren't even aware of. Yeah, I totally, yeah, I think that's very well stated. And I think it, it's, um, you know, like I want our, want our base score to always be zero, right? We had, we had a tough week and then yesterday we had a conversation that we both left going, oh, that's awesome. Like I felt like we got back to zero, right? And it's maybe unrelated, but like I was talking to my wife and she like, she will probably hate me for saying this, but my nickname for her in the beginning of our marriage was Noya. Cause like she'd always worry about things <laughs> that were like overly worried. And I was the total opposite in the spectrum, right? Where I was like, well, whatever the world will spin on. And it was painfully hippie, right? It was like painfully, like I, I was always late to everything and nothing ever mattered. I never made any decisions and we've mellowed each other out. We've met in the middle. Well, she, she's been getting like some doctor things done and had an MRI and, she was like, I was actually able to like, just lay there and be fine. And, um, you know, there are other people in our lives, like friends of hers, girlfriends of hers that are like, have to go in and get the medicine and, you know, get knocked out and put under and all that. And I was like, I think it's because like your base stress level is significantly lower than theirs. You know, like you can calm and like this, it's the whole thing that you talk about of like optimizing for sleep is we don't have to bring up things. We don't have to bring up small, seemingly small things that bug us about what the other person executes on or whatever. But if we do, and we talk about it, then our, our like base is so much like so much, so less stressful. Like we don't have a hundred things that have never been talked about. We don't have that running list I talked about from that other company. We've, we've resolved it. Right. So then when we get done with a hard conversation, we're both like I've got nothing, like I've got nothing that I'm like, I, I, this bothered me that Carl did this, or I need to talk to Carl about that. I mean, and that's what I think my goal is. And I'd be interested to know if it's yours, but that's always kind of why I want to talk about the hard things is because I want our net score to just be zero. Like we're just good. Right. 
got all the positive, but there's nothing like dragging us underneath, if that makes sense. No, it does. And, and very much that's what I want as well, because, you know, it's, it does. Ever since you said to me, when you first said optimize for sleep, I thought that was a soundbite or a catchphrase. I, I, I hesitate to say it now, but I do optimize for sleep. So if there's something I haven't told you that's important to me, it's going to wake me up. And it's the same with everybody in my life. So it, a lot of my communication and my conversations are driven by, I need to say this out loud to you. Um, so I think, you know, one thing we could do uh, as, as we wrap up this episode is go ahead and figure out our safe word for each other so that, you know, I mean, in, in other scenarios in my life, mainly in college, I had to have a safe word and, uh, mine was cilantro because it's just something I don't like that a lot of people do. And so, so I would just like Ben Jordan for you to know that in the future for having a conversation and I start to feel myself get agitated and I'm not sure why I may just say cilantro. See, we're the same person. I think cilantro is a weed that people have somehow convinced themselves that it tastes good. Like I don't, in Texas, it's an epidemic where they just put it in everything that has anything to do with Mexican food. I don't get it. So I think we could say we're having a cilantro moment. I think we could share, can we share the safe word or does mine need to be blueberries? No, because I really like blueberries. So if you were to say blueberries to me, I would just be like, yes. I, I think we should just define it and go, this feels like a cilantro moment. And then we know okay. that means we need to just pause and talk to people. You know what I mean? Um, I, I do. <laughs> just, yeah, it'll just, I need, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into Slack and add a custom emoji for cilantro. <laughs> so we don't even have to type it. We can just do a cilantro emoji and I'll be like, oh, yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> and I don't think it'll be passive aggressive. I'll think it'll be like, you'll say something. I'll just be like, colon cilantro, enter. And you'll be like, cool. Talk to you soon. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or, or you can just, you just go ahead and, you know, you're a programmer, write it so that as soon as it does that, you just hang up. <laughs> it just, yeah, that's all. Sorry. Cilantro. Cilantro. And it's just like, yeah. like oh, or, or the Slack channel gets locked. Like, sorry, <laughs> sorry, you're having a cilantro moment. You can't type any more messages to Carl Smith at the moment. <laughs> I like that. I like that too. I like you, I mean, Carl. Oh, Ben. Oh. I like, I like me too. There it is. And I like, there it is, folks. <laughs> there it is, cilantro. <laughs> I like you, man. No, we're gonna be good, man. We're gonna we're gonna keep this going, and I think this is a good episode. Hopefully, people will uh, will get something out of this. You know, take a look back at what it is that makes you who you are, and and why you respond the way you do. And when you're in a serious relationship with somebody, share that information with them so that they can understand. But I will give one piece of advice that I know for for one thing, Ben. If we're ever having a conversation. One thing I would never say to you is, hey, I'm not your granddad, right? Don't, don't like take the information that people share with you and then spin it back on them. Take, take the piece of information, sharpen it, attach it to a, to a large piece of wood, and then just wait. And when the moment's right, just put it into their chest. Or, or the throat. Yeah. I mean, really, it's up to you. No. Um, hey, whoa, whoa. One, I'm not your granddad. You're like, uh. <laughs> one other little note. My dad was a trombone player as well. Excellent. And, I know he had a couple of albums. I mean, they, it was more like a Navy quartet or something, but it's still it's just kind of funny. He was hardly successful, and uh, he doesn't know how to use the internet, so I'm not worried about him listening to this. Well, yeah, maybe, yeah, uh, yeah, blah. Um, good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Um, no cilantro moments. Hopefully, um, I hope everyone's taking holidays. We're off on Monday, which is exciting. Yeah, um, of course that this is being recorded before it'll be played. So, but you know what? Hey, here's what I say: the next when we put this one up, 
Let's just go ahead and take that following Monday off anyway. We can do that. Um, or you know, <laughs> and, or we could assume that people understand that we're talking in the time it was recorded. Could. I never know that. I never know what the intention is. My intention is we're yeah. talking at a period of time, and you may be listening later. And you can hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. You know what? Happy, happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all those things. You all have a good holiday season off, and we'll be back soon with uh, post-holiday <laughs> tidings of joy. All right, Carl, let's uh, wrap this thing. Sounds good, Ben. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Mom, bro. Yeah, your Keep mom. Keep she's got to move out at some point. Your fucking lunch meat breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Salami Sally. <laughs> well, what is that, olive loaf? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Uh.